the golf club. Justin leads the team in Stowmarket, King's Church Stowmarket, and that's a church we planted some years ago, and it's not really visible to you guys, uh, but actually it's a really important part of what we've been doing over the last few years, and we love this church. We love this man. We love his family. Hello, Kezia. Hello to her, too. And uh, it's just great to have him with us today to share the word. So, it's yeah, Father, I pray for Justin. Help him to share clearly, Lord, fill him with your spirit, and help us to learn and be encouraged. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Kingsgate. It is really lovely to be with you here today. Uh, as David said, my name's Justin. I am one of the leaders over at King's Church in Stowmarket, another relational mission church. Um, and it's slightly strange for me preaching here this morning because I'm preaching to about twice the amount of people that I normally preach to. And this is the first time I've preached outside of my church as well. So this is a, a new experience for me. Um, and thank you, David, for inviting me here this morning. And thank you to everyone else for being here as well. We're going to have a look at the beginning of Philippians this morning. So if you want to turn there, it's Philippians 1 verses 3 to 8. Philippians 1, verses 3 to 8. This is one of the many letters uh, from Paul uh, in the New Testament. Uh, you know, and Paul, what an interesting character Paul is, you know, the, the apostle. But, you know, he started off different, didn't he? Paul was persecuting Christians. He was persecuting the church. He has this incredible encounter, gives his life to Jesus, and goes on to become one of the most influential apostles in the early church. God did great things through Paul. Paul spread the gospel from nation to nation, planting churches as he went along. And he gave us so much teaching and instruction, which is still valuable and vital for the building of church today. But he was such a humble man as well. He said in 1 Corinthians 15 that he was the least of all the apostles. We're so fortunate to have the Holy Scriptures, to have so many of Paul's letters available to us 2,000 years later to read, to learn from. Uh, and we're going to have a little look this morning and hopefully learn something from Paul still today. So this is Philippians 1, verses 3 to 8. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace. And testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you, Lord, for these scriptures. We thank you, Lord, that we have access to this teaching from Paul. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us again this morning, Lord God. Lord, let anything of man fall. I pray, Lord God. Amen. So, there is a lot that we can learn from Paul, obviously. There's a lot and a lot of letters from Paul that make up a good bulk of the New Testament. And this morning, what I want to look at, what I hope we will learn from, from Paul this morning, important concept of partnership. But who are the Philippians? 
as we get started. Who are they? Well, this is a group of believers. This is a church in the city of Philippi. Uh, Philippi was a major Macedonian city, but at the time of the Bible, like a lot of other places in the world, it's now owned and ruled by the Roman Empire. And we can see from what we just read in this letter how warm this greeting is from Paul to his friends to the Christians in Philippi. Thank God every time I remember you. Praise with joy about them. He talks of partnership with them in the gospel from day one. And we can actually trace this partnership back. There are two accounts in the Bible in Acts of Paul's visiting Philippi. The first is in Acts 16. This is when Paul first arrived in Philippi. It was on his second missionary journey. He turns up, and like he did everywhere else, he preaches the gospel, and he goes and tells people about Jesus. This is when we hear about Lydia and her whole family coming to Christ. This is when we get that incredible story of Paul and Silas, who have been thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, and uh, they're worshipping in the middle of the night, and the other prisoners are astounded by this. And then there's this massive earthquake, and, and all of the gates are open, and all of the prisoners could have escaped. And, and the poor jailer is terrified, because if one prisoner escaped, he will be held accountable, and he will be killed for letting that prisoner escape. So this, this poor jailer, he is terrified, and he runs to the prison. And all of the prisoners are still there, and he is astounded. He has no idea. He can't understand why nobody has escaped. And Paul tells him of Jesus, and the jailer and his whole family become believers as well. This is Paul's first visit to Philippi, where he preaches the gospel, where he establishes a community of believers there, where he establishes a church there. And we know, we've got a letter here, we know he corresponded with them after he left. We know that he sent them teaching, he sent them encouragement, he's writing to them. He's returned at least once. In Acts 20, we hear of him returning, uh, and we know that he stayed for the celebration of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is the uh, Jewish celebration where it begins with the celebration of Passover. So he stayed there with them, and I'm sure it's not a stretch for us to realize that he would have been a great encouragement to them. I'm sure he would have brought wisdom and teaching to them in that time he was with them, but he also was celebrating with them. He was having time with them. And we see this throughout the New Testament. Paul is traveling around, going from community to community, preaching the gospel, raising up churches, raising up groups of believers. But he doesn't just move on and leave them. He revisits them. He writes them letters. He continues to care for them. He continues to have a partnership with each one of these communities that he starts. The other thing that we see with Paul is not just this, this community, not just this partnering with groups. He's also got this partnership with individuals. In Acts 16, in that first trip to Philippi, it says in verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled through the region. We know that Timothy and Silas were with him on this occasion. Paul wasn't traveling around on his own. Paul had with him other believers. He would have been teaching them, but they'd have been learning together as well. There was this partnership as they were going around, spreading the gospel. 
Another word for this, relational mission. You know that. That's what this body of churches, this, this group of churches we're a part of. This is what Paul was doing. He's on relational mission. He was out there building relationship with the people he was traveling with, building relationship in the places he was going to and the places that he revisited. In Acts 20, this second trip, it tells us, it gives us a list of people that he was with. Acts 24 to 6, he was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, and Beria, Aristarchus, and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychius, and Tromius. Some, I practice these. <laughs> from the province of Asia. These men went ahead and waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the feast of unleavened bread. And five days later, joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. We see here, time and time again, Paul is traveling with others. Paul is partnering with others. He is building friendships, building relationships with these people. In fact, if you look through the New Testament, there is between 80 and 90 people that are mentioned as co-workers of Paul that traveled with him at various times, that went with him. These are, these are the people that he was closely partnering with. Of course, Paul's not the first one because Paul gets this example from Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus gathered 12 disciples, 12 men that he was such close friends with, 12 men that he partnered with, 12 men that he taught, 12 men that he traveled with. But it wasn't just the 12. There was a larger group that also partnered with Jesus, that Jesus partnered with. This group included people like Mary Madeline and Matthias. Matthias was the one that replaced Judas on the 12 disciples after Judas uh, betrays Jesus. The other disciples voted and they voted that Matthias would join them as a new disciple because he had been traveling with them. He had been learning at Jesus' feet all this time. Jesus exampled this first. This idea of partnership, of relationship together, of growing together, of learning together, of going on mission together. Relational mission. This idea of partnership, it is not new. Relational mission, our family of churches, Empire. We have taken these ideas from the New Testament. We have taken these ideas from the early church, from what we see right at the beginning with Jesus. It is building on a foundation of partnership together. It says in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Ships more than just friendship. There's a, there's a love and a care that comes with partnership. And we see that. We see that in this letter of Philippians. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all four chapters to you right now. But there's a, a quick overview. Is that the Philippians have heard that Paul is in prison and they're concerned. They're worried for their friend Paul. And so they send him uh, um, some money. And they also send him uh, a, a man, uh, Epaphroditus, to go and serve him, to go and encourage him. 
And so Paul writes his letter to them. He's thanking them for sending that financial gift, for sending Epaphroditus to, the, to him to help him. So we're seeing here already, right at the beginning of the letter, this, this partnership is working both ways, this love and support. Paul has been supporting this church in Philippi since he planted it, but they're supporting him in his ministry as well. He goes on to talk to them about Jesus the Messiah, talks of Jesus' example, talks of Jesus' sacrifice, and he encourages them to be willing to live sacrificially for Jesus as well. And he uses Timothy, Epaphroditus, and himself as examples of living like this. This beautiful letter of Philippians shows the love and concern and partnership between Paul and those that he traveled with, between Paul and the churches that he planted, the churches that he partnered with. Finally, and most importantly on partnership, Paul tells us in Romans 8, we're partnering with Christ. This is Romans 8, verse 14 to 17. Romans 8, verse 14 to 17. Because those of you who are led by the Spirit of God and are sons of God, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are co-heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. That is incredible. We are co-heirs with Christ. We partner with God as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ. We partner with him. We get to partner with the Father. and We get to partner with the Son and we get to partner with the Holy Spirit. Jesus died and sacrificed himself for us, hanging on that, that cross. And then he was raised to life again and he ascended. He asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit to empower us, to enable us. What an incredible privilege that we get to partner with the most holy, most powerful, all high God. The one and only. The one that created the universe and yet knows us each by name. He knows the hairs on your head and we get to partner with him. That is an exceptional privilege. And I could preach a whole preach just on that. <laughs> but I thought it was important to link that in as we're talking on partnership. We see it. We see this partnership all through the New Testament, all through the early church. But we are in partnership with God. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are co-heirs. We partner with him. Excuse me. David said that uh, a while back, you guys planted a church in Stowmarket. What I want to talk about for the next couple of minutes is a very, very quick whistle-stop history of Stowmarket. Because 
it is a crucial example of partnership working out today. It's working out for you here in Kingsgate and for us in Stowmarket. It was back in 2010 when a church was planted in Stowmarket, a church called King's Church, a church planted out of Kingsgate here in Bury. John Putman led that church for a while, and for a while it went well. John handed over to somebody else, and the church grew. But as is sadly often the case, things went wrong. It doesn't matter what went wrong. At the end of the day, we're humans, and we live in a sinful and broken world. Sometimes we get it wrong. We're not perfect. None of us are. The point is, King's Church stopped going from strength to strength, and instead went from weakness to weakness and and crumbled and people left. And eventually the elders left and there were very few of us left at King's Church. About five years ago, there was a very crucial meeting between some of the elders at Hope Church in Ipswich and some of the elders here at Kingsgate. And in that meeting, they were trying to decide what do we do about this church plant that has basically fallen apart. And, And there was a view by some, that it it was time to cut losses and just close it. It didn't work. It hasn't happened. We'll move on to the next project. And that does happen sometimes. Sometimes these things don't work. Sometimes things go wrong. Norman Blows said in that meeting, over my dead body. (laughs) Because Norman felt that there was still something that God wanted to do in Stowmarket. He felt that even though the church had fallen to pieces, even though the church was leaderless, that there was still something there and that God could still work there. And at that time, Kingsgate, then you guys, David and Norman, made a commitment to then come alongside us, partner with us and help through that difficult time. Hope Church sent over a retired elder. His name was Dave Dean. Dave and his wife June loved us and pastored us so well. But Dave was so, so uh, clear on the fact that he wasn't coming to lead us, but he was coming to sort of caretake and manage us for a while, just kind of hold us together, just love us for a bit. And I remember, David was talking about this last week when he was over with us, and I tracked it back this week. I was, I was trying to work out when it was. It was four and a half years ago, it was back in 2019, it was before COVID. I was sitting in David's house, it was in his conservatory, and I wasn't sure why I was there. Me and my wife led the youth group at King's Church. Despite being very small, we still had about five teenagers, so we still had a youth group. And me and Kezia were leading the youth group, and Dave Dean had invited me to this meeting at David's house. So I'm sitting there in David's house with all of the elders from Kingsgate, uh, and some other, some other guys uh, in leading, and I was thinking, well, why am I here? <laughs> I, I felt very out of my depth. But David talked that evening about this idea of not parachuting someone in to lead King's Church, not quickly appointing someone to lead King's Church, but rather Kingsgate partnering with us and taking a long, slow journey to raise up leaders within the church And it didn't matter how many years that took. One day, we would get to a point where we would hopefully, and God willing, reappoint elders at King's Church Stonemarket. It wasn't something to rush. We would wait in God. We would follow God. And I remember thinking that was such a refreshing thing to hear. What a great plan. I didn't realize it was me. (laughs) Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? (laughs) I didn't realize that was me. But um, last week, David came to us. And he announced to the church, announced to King's Church, the plan to appoint myself 
uh, and another guy, Pip, as elders in October. What an incredible journey we've been on. From a church that almost closed, it was one meeting that almost closed the church then to where we are now. And where we are now is we're meeting in a barn, which we don't have access to just on Sunday. We get to use that barn throughout the whole week. It's been a blessing to us to have a building that we can use for men's breakfasts, for prayer meetings. There's about 50, including the kids, on a Sunday now. It's really grown. God has added to us over these last few years. And we're appointing elders in a couple of months' time. We have an incredible, incredible testimony of God's faithfulness to us at King's Church. But we also have an incredible testimony of partnership with you here at Kingsgate. David has been mentoring me for years now. We've been meeting up once a month. And his friendship and his mentorship has meant so much to me. It has really helped me personally to develop and grow into my role as leader and and soon to be elder at King's Church. It's meant so much to me that Kingsgate has cared that much for us in Stonemarket, that you've partnered with us. And it's been great for the church as well. David's been over, Norman's been over, they've preached, they've been with us. We felt that love, we felt that care, we felt that partnership. And that's so important. And that's something that we don't want to lose. Just because we're going to be appointing elders, we won't be coming underneath the eldership team here at Kingsgate anymore. We'll have autonomy. But I've told David I'm still meeting with him once a month. (laughs) I'm not losing that. David's invited me here today to speak to you, to encourage you. And so hopefully that partnership will continue. We can build each other up. Iron sharpens iron. Something else that happened back in, I think, I I couldn't quite remember when, if it was late 2019 or early 2020, but again, it was just before that first lockdown, which you either remember or you've just tried to erase. But Adrian was invited to David's house. David said we'd been meeting, we'd met a couple of times, and I still felt I wasn't quite sure why I was there, other than I was a youth leader, and there wasn't really many other leaders in the church, so I seemed to be getting dragged into something. David invited Adrian along, and he said it was really important right at the beginning that we hear from the prophetic, that we hear from God as we're building in Stonemarket, as we're starting this journey of partnership. Much to my surprise, and I think probably everyone else's, Adrian spent most of that evening prophesying over me and, and nobody else, and just me and King's Church. Um, it was, it was, I felt quite awkward. <laughs> um, but I tell you what God did that evening. He made it really clear to us that he had a plan for King's Church. And that plan involved that partnership with, with Kingsgate. But it was so important to have that prophetic word in. It's partnership with the prophetic as well. We need this partnership not just between churches, but between different ministries as well. Me and David go once every three months to meet with Daniel Goodman and some other elders, a relational mission community team. It's so important that we're building these partnerships together. But it works on the smaller end of the scale too. I'm talking about big. I'm talking about churches communicating with each other. This is like Paul looking after those churches he's planted. But let me tell you that partnership is so important on a one-on-one basis too. I meet with John Putman once a week. Now, that has been invaluable for the last year and a half in terms of my mentorship, in terms of my training into being a church leader. 
John's been leading churches since 1983. I wasn't born till 87, so he's been doing this for longer than I've been alive. So uh, the man literally drips wisdom when he talks. Uh, his knowledge goes back so far. That has been invaluable to me. But it's also been invaluable to me to walk with him day by day, to have accountability with him. That, that close partnership with him, it has built my relationship with God. I have another friend, Alistair. I meet with him every week. And Pip, who's going to be uh, an elder with me, I meet with him every week as well. We share life. We, we are accountable to one another. We pray with one another. It's iron sharpening iron. There's a lot of you here. You, you can't have that close relationship with every single person sitting around you. It's impossible. There's not enough hours in the week. But you can intentionally pursue that kind of relationship with a handful, with one or two. Two, three, it's probably at capacity then. And can I tell you that that is such a releasing thing to do. When you have that close accountability, that close partnership with someone, someone that you can be honest with, someone that can pray with you, you can challenge each other, you can teach each other. That is so important. This isn't anything new. This, this idea of partnership, do you know what? It doesn't even go back to the New Testament. It doesn't even go back to Jesus this idea of partnership goes back to the very beginning of time. Actually, it goes back to before the beginning of time because God is three in one. He is Father, He is Son, He is Holy Spirit. And He has always been, and He has always been in partnership, in community together. This is not a new idea that I've brought to you this morning. This is a very old idea, but it's a very important idea for us as believers to take hold of. And I hope, as I've shared some of our story as well, some of that partnership between Kings and Kingsgate. I hope that that inspires you. I hope that you think, wow, we've, we've been a part of that. That's amazing. And I hope in the years to come, we see a lot of each other too, and we can do things together as churches. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your exampling of partnership. Thank you that you Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in partnership together as one. We thank you for that incredible example you set us, Jesus. Not just with your 12 disciples, but with those others that were close and near to you, that you partnered with, that you traveled with. Thank you, Lord, that somehow, for 2,000 years, so many of Paul's letters have survived. And we get to learn from them today. We get to be taught by him still today. And we get to see his example his example of partnership, his example of one anothering, both individually with individual people, but also between different Christian communities. Lord, I thank you for Kingsgate friendship to us at, over at King's Church. I thank you for David's friendship and mentoring of me. And Lord, I pray that this would continue. I pray you would strengthen this bond between our two churches, Lord God. Lord, do great things, Lord God. Not for our own benefit, Lord God, but for your glory, Lord God. Amen. Thank you, Justin. Um, guys, can you stand with me? I want to pray for King's Church in Stone Market. Then we're going to respond as a couple of things I'd love to pray for people for today. So guys, Father, thank you, Lord, for partnership. It's very much mutual, Justin. You're a good friend. 
good brother. Father, I just want to pray for that church, Lord, that it would just thrive, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Bless that church, Lord. Bless this church, Lord. In pouring partnership, that letter in the Philippines, Paul said, you went into partnership in the giving and the receiving. So we work together, we, we grow together. So what, what song have we got, Gina? Your grace is enough. It is. It is. Guys, during this last song, just two things that jumped out whenever uh, Justin was, was speaking. One was Stone Market was one meeting away from stopping being a church. They now have baptisms. He didn't mention that. <laughs> one meeting away from dying. And In the book of Job, we find this situation where a tree is chopped down and it's virtually dead. It looks dead. There's no sign of life. But the Bible says, at the scent of water, it buds again. So I would love if there's anything in your life which is at the point of death and you can't see any hope for it. You don't have to tell us what it is necessarily, but I would love you to come to the front. We're going to pray for you that the scent of the water, the scent of the Holy Spirit, there can be fruit again for God and His glory. And the second thing that just jumped out was, he just mentioned the name in that, that, that text, and it's his sermon, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, or Epaphroditus, was a wonderful prayer warrior. And, you know, I talk about Auntie Jean. You know, I've lost her now. She was a prayer warrior. Every day, she's before God, praying for me and my family. If you've got a call on your life to be a prayer warrior and a Epaphras, and perhaps you've lost your way a little bit on that, I would love you to come to the front again. I want to pray for that because that is such a vital ministry. It's unseen, but it's where the power is for the church. So I'd love to pray for those two things. Something that's at the point of death and a call to be a prayer warrior. Thank you. Come to the front. We'll pray for you. Your grace is enough, more than I need. At your word I will believe. I wait for you, draw near again. Let your spirit make me new, and I will fall at your feet. I will fall at your feet and I will worship you here. Your presence in me, Jesus, light the way by the power of your word. I am restored. I am redeemed by your spirit. I am free and I will fall at your feet. I will fall at your feet and I will worship you.
freely you gave and freely you gave it all for us surrendered your life upon that cross great is the love poured out for all this is our God lifted on high from death to life forever our God is glorified servant and king rescued the world this is our God freely you gave and freely you gave it all for us surrendered your life upon that cross great is the love poured out for all this is our God and lifted on high from death to life forever our God is glorified servant and king rescued the world this is our God and I will fall at your feet I will fall at your feet and I will worship your feet.